The scripture I'm going to be reading and speaking from today is Luke 7, 36 to 50. It should be up on the screen. But if you've got a Bible, you can turn your Bibles. One of the Pharisees asked him over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who was falling all over him. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me, he said. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay, and so the banker cancelled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home, you provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. Then he spoke to her, I forgive your sins. That set the dinner guests talking behind his back. Who does he think he is forgiving sins? He ignored them and said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is one of my favourite scriptures. It's about someone just having a real encounter with Jesus and their lives totally turning around. So, here is Jesus, and he's been invited into the home of Simon. He was a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees were the rich and religious leaders of the time, and Jesus had more arguments and fights with the Pharisees because they were so hypocritical. He hated their hypocrisy and was always critical of them. Usually Pharisees would have nothing to do with Jesus, and this shows that Simon was different. See, Simon was interested in Jesus, and he wanted to know more about him. Simon invites Jesus into his home, which is a sign of friendship in Simon's culture. Jesus is reclining as he eats, because they didn't sit on chairs in them days, they didn't sit in front of the telly with the tray and the you know, eaten with knives and forks. They sat on couches. They leaned, usually on the left elbow, and just ate with the right hand. There wasn't any knives and forks either. Therefore, their feet weren't under the table, but up on the couch. So the woman could easily pour the oil out on Jesus' feet without approaching the table. It was probably when they smelt the perfume that they noticed that she was there. Now, for Stu's birthday, um, who's my husband, by the way, last year, I brought, I thought, a treat into some aftershave. So I took a little trip to a local chemist and seen, I just smelled some really nice aftershave. So I bought him some, and on the morning, when he unwrapped his present, there wasn't just one bottle of aftershave. No, 
not two bottles, no, 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 woo, higher. Three bottles of aftershave. What a generous wife, I can hear you all saying. But the thing is, there were a pound a bottle. <laughs> Times are hard, what can I say? Now, they smelt very nice. When you spread them on, they smelt really, really nice. But the thing with them was, after 10 minutes, the smell went completely. So I'd go, I thought you'd put your aftershave on, Stu. And he'd say, I did. And it would just wear off within 10 minutes. Now, this perfume, what we're talking about, it's no cheap pound of bottle stuff. It was very, very expensive. It came in a beautiful white carved alabaster jar. It was probably the most expensive and important thing that the prostitute owned. The smell will have filled the whole of the room and probably the whole of the house will have smelled for days. Jesus will have smelled for days and also the prostitute's hair was covered in the stuff. People will have smelt the aroma and word will have spread about what had just happened in that house and people would know that she had been with Jesus in the same room as him because her and Jesus both smelled the same. Wow. In 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 to 16, it says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And some of you visitors might have come here today and just think there's just something different in this place today. There's something different about the people I've met today and you just can't put your finger on it. You know there's something different but you can't quite work it out. And do you know what? We might even smell a bit funny. But that is the aroma and spirit of Christ. At least that's what I hope it is. Mind if you sat, unless you sat next to Raj. He always blames it on Josiah. And we're moving on. And um, I was pleased when Medi got up today and said what he said. Because when we become Christians... You might have even realized today that your friends, your family, they've just changed so much. Hopefully for the best, but they might even be acting a little crazy. And you've probably come in here today and thought, why? As Medi said, why are they dancing? Why are they lifting their hands? They've lost the plot a bit. And that, unfortunately, well, fortunately, I think, um, when we truly meet Jesus... We do change, and he changes us from the inside out. He moves us to say things and do things that seem totally over the top to the people around us. And that's what happened to this woman. That's what's happened to those getting baptized today. And that's what happened to me and others that are Christian here this morning. We totally changed. It's not just a little change. We become completely new, a totally new thing. In 2 Corinthians 5:17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, and all this is from God. And I can remember when I became a Christian, and um, I've been a Christian 22 years now, and um, I can remember just being totally overwhelmed by what had happened to me. 
and Stu, that's all I wanted to talk about. All I wanted to talk about was Jesus, and all I wanted to do was read my Bible. And Stu at the time wasn't a Christian, and he used to be like, he used to say to me, I think you love Jesus more than you love me. And do you know what? I do. And that might seem shocking to everyone, but I love Jesus more than Stu. I love Jesus more than my lovely kids, my lovely family, everyone here. And that might be a shocking statement, but when we love Jesus the most and put him in his rightful place above everybody, above everything else, we have more love because then the love of Jesus comes to us and we can love our husbands, wives, friends, families more. So that is rightful place. I also, you won't believe this, but I also became a bit of a Bible basher. I know, uh, but I did. Uh, yeah, I'm a stalker. But the thing is, it got to the point where I would go like shopping and I'd see friends in the shop and I noticed they were starting to hide from me. They were like hiding behind the clothes like this. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to have to calm it down just a little bit. So I have, just a little bit though. But we do. We do odd things and strange things because what he's done for us is just so fantastic and it's wonderful and we can't help but express that. We need to realise that this woman, she wasn't an invited guest at all. There's no way that the Pharisees would mix with the likes of a common prostitute. But this woman wanted and needed to meet and she needed so much to be with Jesus. Unlike these religious people, she'd already realised that Jesus was who he said he was. The Son of God, the Saviour of the world, the Saviour of her world. She had no intention of crying. But as soon as she got close to Jesus, she couldn't help but lose control. And when she knelt at his feet, everything she'd ever done wrong came flooding back to her. All the, all the time she'd had sex for money for, with different men, lots of men. Even though she'd buried these memories deep down and pushed them to the back of her mind as far as possible, she remembered everything and she was just totally and utterly ashamed. She sobbed and she sobbed and she sobbed so much that her tears cleaned Jesus' feet and she was broken she was undone. She surrendered herself and her life to Jesus. She realised that she couldn't make all of this right by herself. All her trying, it was beyond her. She had realised that only Jesus could forgive her from her sin, guilt, shame. A fresh start, a clean slate in him and with him. She was totally overwhelmed. She was loved and above all things, she was forgiven. As Christians, we can know this freedom from our past. Even the most horrendous things that have been done to us, or maybe we've done to other people, can be totally forgiven. And we can know the peace that this woman knew at that moment. See, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. The thing that stands out about this woman to me was her vulnerability, her openness and honesty. Now, who here likes to feel or be vulnerable? 
No, I don't either. It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? But it's good to be open and real before God and before one another. And the deepest friendships that I have in my life are with people who have seen me at my most vulnerable, people who've seen me at my best, but people who've seen me at my worst. And they've seen me and they've seen me angry, hurt, fearful, and even sobbing at times. And yet they accept me. And those are the deepest friendships. And this is a safe place here today. It's a very safe place to be vulnerable. And it's okay to show emotion. I've shed a couple of tears already this morning and I probably will by the end of it. So I'm just warning you. See, the world around us would tell us to be strong. But Jesus says the opposite. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9 to 10, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When we show weakness or emotion, the world says, get a grip. But Jesus says, let go. Matthew 12, verse 12 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, and a yoke was like a wooden bar that was placed across two animals so that they were together, so that they could carry the Lord like between them. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am a gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I just want to ask questions today. You know, what burdens, troubles, or fears are you carrying today? Because we all have something. Whether you're a new Christian or an old Christian, or maybe you haven't made your decision yet, Jesus wants you today to come to him and to give him all your troubles, all your burdens, all your fears, and just to lay them down. It's hard when we've lived our own lives being in control, rarely losing control or letting go. But when we truly give control over to Jesus in all areas of our lives, we find a freedom like we've never known before. And I can honestly vouch for that. This woman found this freedom. And you can have this today. Everyone here can have that freedom today. Right here... Right now, if you dare to let go, be vulnerable and surrender fully to Jesus. Going back to the alabaster jar, the relevance of the jar being the thing that made her attractive. It was the thing that helped her to be beautiful on the outside to others. It made her smell good, attractive to men, attractive to her customers. It was what kept her in the money. It may have been what distracted her from the torment of what she thought she had to go through day in, day out. But she gave it up. She gave it up. And once it was cracked open, it couldn't be used again. She surrendered everything. She surrendered everything to Jesus. 
And what, you know, what do we hold on to to keep us beautiful and attractive? We can hold on to looks, to our jobs, education, importance. But we don't need these things more than we need God. We need God more. Because we are accepted and loved by God no matter what. Today, you could be surrendering yourself for the first time. Or you may have been a Christian a long time. But are you still, this is a challenge, are you still keeping control of something in your life? If you are, the most logical thing to do is to to surrender to Jesus because he's God and we're not. And this scripture, John 3 verse 16, is a scripture that Jeshua read out. So I'm sure I won't read it as beautiful as he did. He was brilliant, wasn't he? Made me cry. John 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world, he loved this woman, you, me, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And if God was prepared to give up so much, to give up his only son, then there's no need for us to be afraid to give anything up. There's no need for us to be afraid to give him our whole lives. Now, we're going back to Simon. Not our Simon, Simon. (laughs) Simon was interested in Jesus. He welcomed him into his house. He wanted Jesus on his terms. He wanted Jesus to fit into his life, and that is not what Jesus is about. He's not just an accessory that we can just add. Jesus is everything. He's our all in all. He's God, and the only way to approach him is how the prostitute did, not how Simon does, and Jesus points this out to Simon. Simon was intrigued by Jesus, but had not realised who Jesus was. He even neglected Jesus socially. He didn't wash his feet. He didn't anoint his head with oil or kiss him. He basically gave Jesus a shocking welcome. And then he judged Jesus for the way that the sinful woman was with him. Simon didn't quite grasp the full meaning of the parable Jesus had told him about the moneylender and the debtors. Now Simon knew his Bible and he knew that he was a sinner, but he was just a little sinner, little tiny sinner. Simon was probably more like the majority of us sat here today. He lived a good, honest life. He'd never committed any crimes. And, you know, he had pretty good morals. But the point Jesus was, and he's getting across to us, is that it's not the size of the debt, but the fact that there is a debt and it needs to be paid. Simon was thinking and acting as we do. We compare ourselves to other people. I'm not a big sinner like that prostitute. I'm just a little sinner. I'm a religious man. I just have a very small debt to pay. And that's what we're like sometimes. Now, I'm sure all of us here compare ourselves to others. Now, sometimes when I compare myself to others, I compare myself to people like my sister Julie and Pauline and Liz Winston, people who I admire. And I compare myself to them and think, they're so good, they're there for everyone, they'll do anything for you, 
They just go out and serve on kids' work and the crash, and they're always so nice. And then I start to feel like, hmm, I'm not very good. I'm not as nice as them. And I start to sink. But then on the other hand, which I think this is the one we'll mostly relate to, we compare ourselves to other people to make us feel better. And I quite often compare myself to John Kearney. And <laughs> when I compare myself to John, I think, do you know what? I'm doing pretty good. Look at John. He is an accountant after all. And then it gets even better as I compare myself to Jonathan Knight. And then I feel like I'm Mother Teresa. <laughs> But do you know what? <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. You know what I love him. We're all unique and we're all very different. We're different personalities. And like Simon, our Simon, said in his preach last week, we've all got different parts to play. Like the different parts of the body having different functions, we have different functions. The only person that we should compare ourselves to is Jesus. And when we compare ourselves to him, that's when we get a reality check and realise what we're really like. And that's when we just appreciate him so much more. Romans 3, verse 22 to 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, everyone, Simon, the prostitute, me and you, all except Jesus, who was without sin and lived a perfect life. We all need a saviour. And if that's the first time you've heard that today, then I know... I will probably have offended you. But let this offence lead to repentance. Now, repentance is its a long word, especially if you're intellectually challenged like me, which I am. Um, but it's a lot more than saying, sorry, it's like you're going in this direction and you're living your life on your own and God's maybe behind you somewhere, back here. You might every now and then say hello to him, but... He's, he's very insignificant and you're walking this way there comes a point in your life and hopefully it's this morning for some of you it happened on the Alva course on Tuesday some people repented but it, there comes a point in your life where you suddenly realise that what you've heard about Jesus what you've heard about God is completely true and you just realise that you've done things wrong in your life and you just got to say sorry so you say sorry, ask Jesus into your life, but then you completely turn around and you go in a completely different direction where God is here and God is in control and God's in charge and God's there and he's speaking to you and he's saying, this is the way, this is the way, walk this way. And that's repentance. It's a totally change of direction. And Simon got it wrong because it isn't about religion or being good, morality or spirituality or doing good things for others. It's not about that. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus. It's about turning to Jesus and trusting in him for the rest of your lives. And that is true repentance. Now the woman grasped this with everything within her and a life and a destiny and her eternity were changed. This is why God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, past, present and future, so that we could have a personal relationship with him. Jesus went to the cross 
and took our place and our punishment and paid our debt. All we have to do is come to Jesus. And, you know, I made this decision 22 years ago. I've never looked back. It's the most important and best decision that I've ever made. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the big question, I suppose, this morning is, do you want to live this life, an eternal life, with God or without God? And the choice is yours, and that choice can be made this morning. I'm going to say a prayer out of this Why Jesus book. So this is how I became a Christian. So this morning, if you're ready, I think you're probably in three categories. You've probably come today and just felt really uncomfortable and thought, do you know what? They're a pack of loonies. I'm not coming back again. And if that's you, that's fine. We'd love you to come back again, but that's your choice. You might be here, and what you've heard and seen people do this morning might have given you like lots of questions. And if that's you, please do our next ALF course. It's the beginning of June, and it's in Stockton. You'll be able to find the details on our uh, website or ask friends who've brought you here today. But there's also, and I just know, that there's people here this morning who feel that this is the right thing for them to do. Your heart's just been pounding all the way through. And you just want to give your life to Jesus this morning. And I want to give people the opportunity to do that because it's so important. So if you'd just like to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to pray this prayer. If you want to become a Christian this morning, just say this prayer with me in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with with me forever. Thank you. Amen. We just keep our heads bowed just for a moment. And I'm just going to ask people, if you said that prayer for the first time, become a Christian today, we'd just like to raise your hand just up in the air so we can see. wait a minute because it's a very important moment this thank you that's brilliant thank you yeah. is there anyone else who'd like to <coughs> respond to Jay? I know it's difficult and you might not want to put your hand up, but 
if you just if you've done that and you don't feel bold enough to raise your hand, I mean someone's done that this morning, it's just absolutely brilliant. But tell someone who you've come with, you know, your family, friends, tell them what's happened today, what you've done today. I'd just like to pray for us before I finish, but I just want to just say thank you to God that, you know, someone here this morning has become a Christian. And that's an amazing thing. And it's an amazing journey. It really is. And it's wonderful. I'll pray before I start crying. Yeah, Lord, we just pray this morning. Father God, we just thank you that your salvation has come right here, right now. And someone here today, Lord, has asked you into their lives, Lord. And Lord, you know, it says that when one sinner repents, there's a party in heaven, Lord. And I thank you that there's a party going on right now in heaven. And Lord, I just pray for others here, Father God, who feel like they need to give you control over something in their lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they can do that now. Or people here who are in bad situations, Lord, where they feel as though they've got heavy weight on the shoulder and it's just so hard for them to keep going, Lord. I pray today in Jesus' name that you will lift that burden from their shoulders, Lord. Just help us all today just to come to you and lay all down to you. We surrender to you, Lord Jesus. Just thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Shirley. Excellent.